0: Alrighty. Amen. Wow. What a, what a good day. Uh, Easter last week and uh, full house and people traveling and many of you coming back and uh, participating and being in service. Thank you. Uh, I have a, we're starting a uh, sermon series on the Holy Spirit based on the fact that when Jesus left this earth, he walked 40 days after he rose. My interpretation of Scripture is he did this. He he rose and he took the first parade of people who were in Abraham's bosom up into uh, heaven uh, where he presented them to the Father, and then he came right back that same day. Uh, and the reason I say that is because he told Mary, don't touch me, I'm not yet ascended to my uh, Father. But later that day, he tells the apostles that were in the room, go ahead and stick your uh, hands in my uh, side stick your hands in my hand and so I believe theologically he went to heaven presented those who rose from the grave because they now they, they weren't bound in Abraham's bosom and then he walked on earth for 40 days at the end of that 40 days he tells the disciples hey I'm going to go but I need I need you to do this I need you to go to Jerusalem and wait I'm going to send a comforter the comforter is going to be with you the Holy Spirit And then you'll know that I made it back to my father uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Now, uh, we're going to teach. I'm going to teach for the next two weeks on the holy spirit and we'll lay down some stuff all right and like I told the first service I need you to uh, go home and pray on it I need you to vet it I need you to uh, not be judgmental about it but this is a teaching exercise and then I want you to read through 1 Corinthians the 14 chapter that's what we're going to talk on next week and then we're going to break from Mother's Day we're going to preach a Mother's Day message and then we're going to preach on the gifts of the spirit there's three Three different groups of, of spiritual gifts, as Paul presents. Okay, there's inspirational, there's revelation, and then there's um, power power gifts. Now he highlights about nine gifts, and we'll talk about them in in depth over three or four weeks after Mother's Day. Uh, but there's about twenty seven gifts of the Spirit all told. Uh, that different. Uh, gospel or or, or Bible writers write on, okay? And so we won't hit all of those. We'll hit some of them, but we're going to hit the main and the core nine. Now, I want to bring it over this week and next week in a very teachy type of way because it's important that you get it, first of all, and it's, it's important that you love me through it, second of all. That's really important. Loving pastor. As he teaches, uh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. I don't need a clap. I just need you to love. Uh, <laughs> anybody can clap. Uh, but and then th- thirdly, though, I, I need to understand. We need to understand that because we are a diverse group of people. We have people from uh, Baptists. We have people from Pentecost. We have people from Charismatic. We have people from Evangelical. We have Methodists and Episcopalian. Uh, in fact, our our children's director, uh, when she first came, Sarah, wonderful person, she thought this was a Methodist church, you know, so she, she came in and thought her, her parents would be really happy that she's in a good Methodist church, and then she started, uh, the song service sergeant. and she realized, probably not a Methodist church. <laughs> uh, we have Catholics. We have... Uh, we have uh, all Episcopalians with all different kind of backgrounds. So when we teach on something like the Holy Spirit, uh, the third part of the Trinity—God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit—then I want to know. I want to know that there are some uh, gray areas, and then there are some grace areas as well. There's a there's a there's a wide uh, uh, chasm or spans here that we're that we're looking at, and and so we're going to find not necessarily the middle ground but the common ground that we can walk through. So as a as a pastor I'm in charge of three things. And the one one is to lead, one is to feed, and one is to protect the sheep, okay? Jesus is the great shepherd, like Janie said, he's the good shepherd. He's he's the he's in charge, and then a pastor in the world today would be an under shepherd. So what are we in charge of? We're in charge of leading, Feeding and protecting and I can tell you this that probably uh, I like to lead I feel like I'm a decent leader uh, I like to feed I feel like the church gets something most every Sunday uh, but my gift is protection I, there if you are under my charge I am going to protect you with everything in me that's just my human nature It's just part of my DNA it's who I am and so this this will come this teaching will come from a leading a feeding but it also come from a protecting. That we we need to understand things uh, because the Holy Spirit can bring a lot of conflict to a church or a lot of contention to a church. He doesn't do it. It's people within the body that does it. Okay, we have different points of view or we have different points of reference, and so we're going to talk about some of those today. I'm going to break some things down, but we get the lead, feed, and protect from Psalms 23. So we're going to read it as kind of our anchor scripture today, and you know it well. But we'll read it and then we'll pray. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. So there you go. Right there, he's he's a, he he. Feed, okay. He makes me to lie down a green pasture. He leads me beside still the waters. There's the leadership. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In other words, you're protecting me. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell. Again, there's that protection in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for allowing David by the power of the Holy Spirit to write this psalm. He was in such a great place knowing that he was in you, and we're in a great place knowing that we're in in you, Father. So open our ears, our mindset, our hearts, our temperament, our attitude to hear all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray, and the church said, amen. And so the power, the giftings, the authority of the Holy Spirit, uh, people shouldn't be afraid of the Holy Spirit at all, although sometimes we're a little bit cautioned by how people act in the Holy Spirit or, or their or their response to the Holy Spirit. And so those are things that I tend to address over this week. And next week, and then when we start praying for the gifts of the Holy Spirit in people's lives, you can understand that the Holy Spirit will never hold you hostage or make you do something that you don't want to do. Holy Spirit is gentle. He's kind, also filled with power. It's the presence of Jesus walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2 said that this, this root, this branch of Jesse, uh, Jesus uh, was going to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And when he walked in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, he was also the most meek and humble person on the face of the earth. And so we walk in the power of God, but we do it with humility and grace and kindness and And the Holy Spirit doesn't overrun you or overrule you God's not that type of person where God's going to throw something at you and make you nervous or scared of, of his of his part of the Trinity it's just it's just not God now there's been probably misuses of the Holy Spirit or maybe even abuses of the Holy Spirit or activity and and some of that's not even bad that's some gray area because there are people that maybe have different emotional responses than people who are walking in 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 the Holy Spirit okay so we're going to try talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, as far as pastor goes, I am here to lead, feed, and protect. Now, there are different Uh, Gifts in the church, all right? And there's evangelists and there's people who maybe uh, have different uh, off night events where maybe they, it looks similar to a church service. It would be, uh, there would be singing, there would be a gathering of people, there would be maybe preaching or a word, maybe there would be some gifts of the Spirit, there might even be an offering. And some people would say that that's, you know, is, pastor, is that a church? It could be. It it seems like a church. It it looks like a church, but the the difference is in a setting like that, usually it's just an evangelist that would be handling that type of service or maybe an outreach minister or something of that nature. And so they're not necessarily in the lead, feed, and protect. So we're we're looking at things. The reason I say that is because when you come on Sunday morning or maybe you come to a midweek service or you you joined a, a Bible study in church or a small group in church, the point of that is so that we can grow people. All right? Uh, uh, growing a church is great, but we would rather grow people. We want to mature the believer. We want the, the person to come in. And, and some of you have recently recommitted your life to the Lord, or maybe you're new, you know, you're first-time believers. You, you didn't know that there was any churches that would accept you just the way you are. We will. Grace Church was, and our, our caveat is this, like us, like Janie and myself, like every leader in this church, we ask that you ask the Lord to transform you from the inside out. Because that's what our prayer is for us. Not, Not even for you. It is for you. But we want God to continue to change and grow us from the inside out. Amen? And so, what you, what I want you to do, if you take notes, if you grab a phone, pen, paper, whatever, there might be a few things that you want to write down uh, so that you can study them. And then this week, I would love for you to read 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, because we're going to hit that hard and heavy uh, next week. So if I'm leading, I'm feeding, and I'm protecting, I'm doing it a couple different ways, or any pastor is. Again, the evangelist might have a super spiritual service. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, we would maybe call it a believers meeting. But in the church confine, in the community we call grace, then we we have to understand what's the what does this Holy Spirit look like? Again, we're gonna pray at the end of different services, and we want you filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't believe that there's been a cessation of spirit. In other words, the spirit hasn't stopped moving because if the spirit stopped moving, then people would be stopped getting saved. Wisdom would stop. Knowledge would stop. All those things would stop. And so we know that the Holy Spirit moves, but we also know that some people in their transformation of Holy Spirit fullness may act a little different. That's more man than it is Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, so, again, we're going to walk through it. So, a couple things we need to know. First one, and you might want to this, we're done. First of all, we're going to be concerned with doctrine, okay? Doctrine is what we would consider absolute truths. There's three different things we'll talk about today, and doctrine is core. Doctrine is critical. It's the absolute truth. So, what are some absolute truths? Because people will still argue absolute truths. Some people will say, well, God doesn't even exist. Well, that's not my absolute truth. My absolute truth is God exists. In fact, the question of God existing doesn't even exist in the Bible. It's just God is, all right? And he he is good. God is very good because he sent his son to die for you and me. So, the absolute truth is that God is, and he is good, and man fell. And because man fell, we're all, unfortunately, born into sin, and we need a redeemer. God knew that was probably going to happen. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. So, there's only one way to heaven, and that's through Jesus Christ. That's an absolute truth, all right? Now, some would add water baptism to that. That's, that's something else we'll talk about. That's not absolute. Absolute truth is this. Absolute truth is what we would call doctrine, where we get our doctrine. So, again, God is good, all right? Man sinned. Man needed a Savior. Jesus came to die for us. If we accept Christ, we're born again. Absolute truths. Like, those are non-negotiable. If somebody tries to change those on you, then Paul says, depart from them because they're not believers. You're not, you're not in the same camp together. Now, if someone says, yeah, I believe Jesus is the way to heaven. He's my Lord and Savior. You're on common ground. There's some things there you can work with, irregardless of what their denominational background may be. All right? Yeah, but pastor, don't they believe this? They might. I'm not saying they don't, but at least you have some common ground, right? So this is what we would call doctrinal truths or absolute truths, and we get them three ways. First of all, we get our absolute truth from Jesus. Whatever Jesus says, we're going to do it, right? Are you with me on that? That's a pretty good, like, that's a pretty good basis to start. Well, Jesus said it. It's red letter. I'm going to go ahead and go with it. Yeah. Number two would be the Bible, the Word of God. Now, when I was growing up in uh, my newfound relationship with Christ, uh, my, my pastor would always say, what does the Word say? What, what, what's the Bible say? Let's, let's go to the Word of God, all right? And so we want what Jesus says. We want what the Word says. And then I would add this because this is me. Uh, I would say, what does the creed say? Because there are different elevations of uh, spiritual enlightenment or walking in Christ. And I w- I would go all the way back to, to the creed. And so the creed, you understand the creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He sits by the he ascended into heaven, he sits by the on the right hand of the father, he'll come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in, uh, I believe in the, the Holy Spirit, one holy and apostolic church. I don't say Catholic because it's got a different connotation, but Catholic really means universal. And so you could say I believe in one holy and universal church, but now universalism has a different concept. So I say one holy and apostolic church, the, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the dead. Amen. So that's the creed. Now, why do I say that? Because the creed started with the apostles back in the first century church, and it was finished at the Council of Nicaea in 325 A.D. And so, the reason we understand the creed, and I'm a little partial to it, is not necessarily because of my Catholicism background, but because man starts to change things a little bit. And, and so, if we're sound in our doctrine right? Then we have a basis. We have a foundation. What's, what do we look at as doctrine? Absolute truths. How would we get those? Through Jesus, through the word, and then again for reference, point of reference, the creed. Pastor, was creed man-made? Yes, but in Acts the second chapter, they broke bread going from house to house, and they listened to the teaching of the apostles, So, we would say apostles, the doctrine, or the doctrine of the apostles. So, that's where we get that. Now, is that important? It's very important, uh, because how we move through this thing on a week to week basis, and even how we move through it today, uh, we have to have good sound doctrine. If your doctrine is messed up, then you're going to be messed up. Make sense? And what happens is we start to see different things. And I, I, I know of people who maybe, in fact, I, I know of a, a, a person who used to uh, go to church and, and got just radically saved. And it's just it was a beautiful experience. And, and what happened is they, the, Paul uses for doctrine, he uses the word broma, B-R-O-M-A. And uses that word as being meat. So when you hear someone say, "Is it milk or meat?" Meat is always doctrine. Meat is always consistent. Meat is always is always this broma. It's the thing that we can grow from and learn from. Milk is good. I I, I like a tall glass of milk. My father had a tall glass of milk every day and lived to 90. I mean, it just I love a, a refreshing milk. I like milk with donuts. I like those little donuts. Have you anybody familiar with the little donuts? They're like they're the greatest invention known to mankind. They're small, and you think I'll only have a couple, and then 12, 15 later (laughs) you you, you realize. I mean, they're beautiful. They, They have white powder, and you break them in half and you dip them in the milk. It's amazing. Dear Jesus. It literally is like a Holy Spirit moment. Like, I can have church. There's a reason we have donuts every Sunday. I can have church if I have one of those little donuts and the chocolate ones. Like, you break them, and and you have to break them. Because if you dip them, the coating just rejects the milk. But if you break them and you dip them in milk, it just sucks that milk up. And you put it in your mouth, and you just think you might have died and went to heaven. It's amazing. Don't I mean, try it. So I like milk. I mean, I love milk. But milk, Paul is saying, milk isn't necessarily good. But, but we, we kind of, in the church world has changed milk into thinking it's something else and not meat. Meat, literally, in Paul's explanation, meat is sound doctrine. Absolute truth. That's the meat you're going to get. Now, other people would run and do some other things. We we know of a, a, a person that got radically saved. It was a beautiful story situation, and she wanted more milk than than meat, and so got tangled up in some other things. And and really, it, we have to be careful that that wolves don't come in designed as sheep or. or and all of a sudden take people out, okay? And so this is why we have absolute truths. This is why we have sound doctrine on a Sunday morning is because we want people grounded in foundation, amen? All right, so we go from doctrine then. There's a big difference here. We go from doctrine then to dogma. And dogma is the word gala, G-A-L-A, or I would say gala. It's an event. It's, it's an enrichment. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's fun. And that, Paul says, is milk. The gala is milk. Dogma is milk. Nothing wrong with it, but it's interpretation, it's interpretation of truths. And so where we have absolute truths in doctrine. Now we have an interpretation of truth. I'll give you some examples of some interpretation of truth. Uh, The rapture is an interpretive truth. Uh, Rapture came by uh, John Darby in 1857. Uh, He had been kicked out of two uh, different uh, church organizations, uh, started his own, and started the rapture theory. I'm not going to say that you are wrong if you study the rapture, if you even believe in the rapture. I'm not going to say you're wrong at all. I have known many, many great awesome men and women of God who believe and have believed in in the rapture. So uh, am I saying I'm perfectly like spot on on this? No, I'm just saying it's an interpretive truth. It's interpretive. Jesus the second coming is doctrine. Are you with me? Jesus is coming back again. That's doctrine the rapture might be an interpretive truth. And I'll tell you why I kind of feel that way is because a lot of people say, well, I'm pre-trib or I'm mid-trib or I'm post-trib. And 1 Corinthians 14 says uh, that God's not a God of confusion. He's not the author of confusion. So when things start to see in doctrinal issues that there's never any confusion, it's just, it's point blank. This is this is how it is. This is you, know, you need a savior. His name is Jesus Christ, and grace is for everybody. That's the beautiful thing, right? His grace is sufficient for you. So now, but interpretive truth—that's a different—that's a different story. And so, um, it's man's teaching to apply truths, or or his interpretation of doctrine, that it becomes dogma. Paul says it's gala or gala, it's milk. And and what it is, it pleases the attitude. It pleases the aptitude of a person. And so I might like uh, inspired, expressive worship. Someone else might like just being able to sit there and just be solemn. Our church, because it's the way Janie and I like it, we like contemporary worship, and most people are probably here because they like that same interpretive truth. Now, it's fact we need to worship God, right? Amen. It's interpretive how we worship God. It's fact and truth that we need to pray, it's interpretive as to how we need to pray. Maybe I like early morning prayer time. Maybe I like to get up at 3 in the morning and pray till 5. It would be wrong for me to tell you that's when you need to pray. How dare you pray at a different time? How dare you pray at 10 in the morning? The day's half over by then. No, that's, that's not right. Absolute would be Jesus did tell us how to pray and, and tell us that we need to pray. He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and never to faint. Luke 18 and one, we need to pray. Can you say amen? amen. How we pray, when we pray, where we pray, that's interpretive. Those things are interpretive. Now, we're, since we're, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and this scares some people. I want to break it down because what happens when we talk about the Holy Spirit and manifestations of the Holy Spirit, sometimes it messes people up. So let's talk for a moment about people maybe falling out in the Spirit. Is that really God? Is it really man? How is it? And I would say this, I'm trying to rechange my, my, my verbiage because I've said it for a long time. It may, it may not be proper to say that someone was slain in the Spirit. Now, I'll say why. Because the actual word to slay or slain means to kill or to die. And so, there's only two people that ever been slain in the Spirit in all of Scripture, and that was Ananias and Sapphira in Acts, the fifth chapter. They they died. I'll give you the story if, you, if you're newer to church in Acts, the fifth chapter. Apostles are preaching. Peter's preaching. People are selling everything they have. They're giving it to the church. Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira, they go and sell their house and they agree together that they're going to give just a portion to the church, but they're going to tell the church that it was everything. Now, listen. There was nothing wrong with them selling their house and just giving a portion. What was wrong was they presented themselves to give everything to the church just like this, so they could be like everybody else. So a little more portion of pride uh, dropped in them, okay? And so they come, uh, Ananias comes first, Sapphira's not with them, and Peter says, gets a check in his spirit by the Holy Spirit and says, is this everything? Did you sell everything? And you're giving it all to God? And... Um, and Ananias says, yes, this is everything. And, the, and Peter says, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you have lied to the Lord, you have lied to the Holy Ghost, and he drops dead. He's gone. And three or four men pick him up and carry him out. And so the miracle of this story is for three hours, it takes for his wife to get there, nobody says a word. Like nobody, see, She doesn't know her husband died. And, like, I don't, I'm not sure where she was. There's a, probably a hush that fell over the, the church. It's like maybe everybody was checking themselves. Dear Lord, did, I, did I, have I lied to God? Have I lied? Like, listen, your pastor doesn't have that power. Don't worry about lying to him. But you shouldn't lie. So Sapphira comes in three hours later. And Peter says, gives her a chance. Is this, did you sell everything? Is this, is this the total amount that you got? And she says, yes, it's everything. And he says, the same men that carried your husband out will carry you out as well, and she dies. And because of repentance, and I love that song we sang, because of repentance, the church just goes in in revival mode. They see the power of God. And so by myself and my admission into our church, I would say maybe let's not say slain in the spirit. Say maybe fall out in the spirit. Now, I'm going to explain the different variances of falling out in the spirit. The first one, because you'll see people get prayed for, and we believe in the gifts of the spirit. Someone might come up, and, and they maybe they'll fall out, and you wonder, like, what happened there? Number one, it was maybe it was an emotional response, okay? Maybe that person's weight just got lifted, and they just felt like they couldn't stand in the presence of God, or they just, like, man, it's just, I'm, just, I'm just relieved and relaxed, and, and they, just, they can't even stand on the weight of their own soul, and they, they fall out in the, in the spiritual realm. Number two, it could be peer pressure. Uh, if you're in a service, uh, and Jenny and I have been in a lot of services, and we've seen a lot of things over the last 42 or 43 years. I mean, a lot of things. Honey, you should write a book. You could probably write a book on, on some of the things that you've seen. Well, if you have a line of people here and someone's coming through and people are just kind of falling out in the spirit, I've seen people literally look at each other and I know what they're thinking. They're like, if I don't fall, I'm not gonna seem as godly as the rest of them. So it's almost a form of peer pressure. I'm, just, I'm gonna go ahead and fall if they're all falling. No, pastor, are you blaspheming the Holy Spirit? I'm not. I'm, just, I'm being real with you for a moment. Can I be real today? People will fall out Based on the fact that other people have fallen out and they don't want to seem as they don't want to seem less spiritual than somebody else. But what's happened is it brings confusion to the church. Am I supposed to fall out? Am I not supposed to fall out? Do I fall out? Listen, if, if God releases something in you and you end up falling in the spirit, go ahead and fall in the spirit. Chances are at Grace Church, we may not have a lot of catchers, though for you. And I'll tell you why. If God knocks you down, he's going to act, he's going to be, there'll be a pillow there for you. He, he's going to make sure that you fall gracefully and softly. Uh, I did see a guy fall face first one time, and he said, just like, just like a, just like a pillow, Pastor. It was just like, well, praise God. Because the guys were, that were going to catch you were behind you, and you went forward. <laughs> but we, I don't, I'm not a proponent of catchers. And when I pray for people, and I know that they have a tendency to to fall in the spirit, I tell them, please don't fall for me. You know, if you're going to fall, fall for God, or just, I call it courtesy fall. Uh, But it can happen, all right? That's number two. Number three is there can be some spiritual manipulation that takes place. Uh, evangelist or a pastor, preacher, teacher, whatever, uh, may whisper in a person's ear now I'm going to pray for you and you might you might just fall out well there's there's a form there that of, of manipulation that starts to take place or it's going to be it's going to be uh, uh, sometimes maybe the person praying gets really excited and they and they kind of drive that person backwards a little bit you know to where they're they're doing the limbo <laughs> uh, and, and and they, don't, and they just fall because they, they're tired of fighting this guy's hand or this person's, this person's hand. It's, it's, it's true. And I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not, listen, the Holy Spirit is lovely. The Holy Spirit is gentle, but yet powerful at the same time. And there, there can be, and I've been in services where I've seen spiritual manipulation take place. I, I saw a guy preach, four or five different times, once here, and every time he said the Holy Spirit told, told you know, I need 20 people, I need 30 people to come up and give me a $20 bill, cash. And people were running up there. And then the first time I thought, well, that's the Holy Spirit, praise God. Second time, I thought it maybe it was his spirit. And the third time I thought maybe it was just a whole different spirit. Because when I added up, this guy is doing it once or twice every week, and he was getting an extra 30 dollars to $50,000 cash free at the end of every year. I don't, I don't, I ain't blame that on the Holy Spirit. If you need 20 bucks, come tell me and I'll have uh, Gary Sherrill give you $20 or Landon Barefoot. <laughs> I'll have Brian Pope give you 20 bucks. I, I don't carry cash, but I'll have, I'll get somebody to give you 20 bucks if you need 20 bucks. Do not blame that on the Holy Spirit. That's spiritual manipulation. All right? Or I've seen people before, and this, I'm saying this because this messes up the other people who really want the Holy Spirit but are afraid to ask for the Holy Spirit because they see all this other stuff going on. uh, Listen, lead, feed, and protect. I'm protecting right now, okay? And I've seen where someone falls in the Spirit. Praise God, it seems genuine, it's really good. Now get him up, get him up. Let me pray for him again. Falls again, get him up, get him, get him. praise for him again. That guy doesn't need to go down two or three times. That becomes a spiritual show, Okay? Are you with me? It, hey, in my opinion, as the leader of this church, as the leader, feeder, and protector of this church, I think we have to be careful of some of those things. Okay, all right. So because I want you filled with the Holy Spirit, the baptism. I want you to get all of God that you can get. Then number four. So we. So let me go again. One, we have uh, maybe it's a emotional response. Nothing wrong with that. Number two, maybe it's peer pressure. Nothing wrong with it, but it's not really going to help you. Number three. Could be spiritual manipulation. That's where I'm in protection mode. I'm going to watch out for you. And then number four, simply the presence of God. The presence of God could overwhelm you. Now, in the Old Testament, the presence of God came in so, so heavy that the priest fell out first. So if the, present come, the presence of God comes in, chances are that person who's praying for you, if it's truly the presence of God, that person might go out as well. That person might fall in the spirit as well. Those are things that we have to understand. Those are things that we have to, we have to take with us, okay? Because people will have these interpretive truths that this isn't a Holy Spirit uh, lights out service if, you know, 13 people aren't laying across the, the front and, you know, somebody brings a tongue interpretation, which I'll address uh, as soon as next week, if not then, then the week after uh, Mother's Day. And so it's important for us to understand how the Holy Spirit works in each and every one of us. Are you with me? The problem with dogma and interpretive truth is if people make dogma their doctrine. Okay, in other words, I, I you know, this is how it's got to be, and if it's not that way, I'd read an article years ago, and it made a lot of sense when a person first commits their life to the Lord, or they are growing in Christ and maybe getting, you know, going to certain, certain meetings and all that. The next five years, whatever they hear regarding that, whether it's Christ or maybe a deeper walk, becomes gospel to them. And so that's all they know. So because that's all they know and it's interpretive, it becomes doctrine or dogma and they want to make doctrine out of it. Then the third thing happens, division happens within the church world. And so you have doctrine, which is absolute truth. You have dogma, which is interpretive truth. And again, nothing wrong, nothing bad with it. It just may not be for everybody. And since we're talking Holy Spirit, as a Holy Spirit series and a Holy Spirit sermon. We're going we're gonna to leave those towards the Holy Spirit. But you again, you need to know that God has only good things for you. And yes, the gray area, there might be people that fall out in the Spirit. You don't have to all right? The grace area is don't judge them, and, make sure, and let's make sure that they don't judge you as well. So there's grace and there's gray, but the division happens because of cultural truths. Well, we're we, our dogma has become doctrine, so now pride enters in, and I'm a little bit better than you, or you're a little bit better than me because you fall out in the spirit. You're, you're more spiritual. Or you're you're more powerful than I am because you speak in a prayer language and I don't. Or I speak in a prayer language and you don't. We have this back and forth where now division comes in the church. And John, the 17th chapter, speaks specifically towards that. Jesus saying that his church would come together, his people would love each other, so that God would be glorified in heaven. So you see where the enemy tries to raise up in there? The enemy tries to sneak it wherever he can, the enemy will try to come in. Paul's walking down the streets, people are getting saved, he's healing, and a witchcraft guy comes up to him and says, hey, I want what you got. Well, you can't sell the Holy Spirit. Paul rebuked him and told him to get away, and Paul went angry. Paul was in protective mode. I like Paul. Don't you like Paul? I mean, he's the guy that said, be angry, sin said not. Nah. Like, how can you do that? Well, you can. Just have a righteous indignation be angry at sin, just don't sin. But divisions happen and divisions take place in that realm because we we start to then say, well, a woman can't wear jewelry or a woman can't cut her hair or a woman can't wear pants. And most of that, if not all of it's in the Old Testament, but it was a cultural truth that wasn't meant to being division. God was trying to form a group of people that would have a foundation that he could live. Now, when we walk through this thing, we know that women can preach and women can teach. We know that women can wear jewelry. We know that women can paint their face. And I heard one preacher say, some women should paint their face. I didn't say that. I heard another preacher say that. So I'm just saying, as the worship team comes back, cultural truths, when I first got saved, we had to, we had to dress a, a certain way. It wasn't, it wasn't proper. You know, I shouldn't wear shorts around Janie or around other. I mean, I grew up wearing shorts. I went gym class. We had shorts, and it was, but it wasn't. It wasn't proper. You can't, shouldn't cause that person to lust and all those things. Well, that's a cultural truth. It, it brings division. It is a, now, I'm not talking about sloppy grace. Hey, just go live it however you want. I'm talking about someone whose heart is just bent towards Jesus. They want to do everything right, and then someone coming up in a hierarchy type form and say, "You got to do." this and you got to do that. You got to do that. No, we stand by the absolute truths. We live in an absolute truth world. That's called doctrine. Interpretive truths, dogma. Dogma is milk. When Paul says, get off the milk, he says that to the Corinthians because they're running to and from who can feed me now, who can do this now, who can get this from. And, And he says, no, you need meat. You need to come in on a weekly basis. You need to get taught the Word of God. You need to understand who you are in Christ Jesus. You need to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And then, while you're grounded, yes, go ahead and visit those events or go to those different things. And in the in the um, in, in the real realm, uh, Janie cooks, and Janie is a good cook, and I love to eat her eating. But sometimes we'll go to a restaurant, or if we're out of town, we'll go to another church service. But I know that I know who where we get fed. I know who who feeds me. And so when you're grounded in doctrine, Paul says, you can go get some milk because milk is satisfying, but it doesn't sustain. Meat is what sustains you. Meat is the, is the breakdown. It's the, it's the core. It's the, it's the real deal. And if we're not careful and we start talking about those interpretive truths, like it's got to be this way, that's what brings division upon the church. Stand with me this morning. We're going to pray and close and then sing a good song. And I'm going to invite you to, to read 1 Corinthians 14 this week. And, and we're going to talk about it next week. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about how Paul introduces a church service to uh, the Corinthian church, because they're, they're a little messed up at the time. Grace, it's my heart, whether you're watching online or in-house, that we walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, but we do it in such a way that it doesn't turn people away from God. It brings people closer to God. And if we can bring people closer to God, we can reach the community of which God placed us in, and that's the Hickory area and all around the surrounding areas. So close your eyes if you're comfortable. Bow your heads. I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands or anything. I'm simply gonna say, Father, would you bless our people? And Lord, as we, as we learn about your Holy Spirit, as we learn about your doctrines, your dogmas, Please, there be no divisions among us, or that we can look, we can walk together through both the gray areas and the grace areas, or that we can go or we can go far and wide, in in, in learning together, the fullness of the power of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship one more time. God bless you.
1: Oh
2: How many of you love the Lord in this place today? God is good, amen? Well, Ephesians chapter 4 says this, that when we mature... Then, verse 14, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So when we mature, then we're no longer like infants. Now, one thing I know about infants, I've had two of them. They love milk, right? Like, love milk. Try to give Judas some meat and... He wants his milk, and he will throw a tantrum, all right? But there comes a time when he can't just have milk anymore. He needs to start eating some meat, some solid food. And I think today that's sort of what's happening. You know, every person you talk to is not going to speak the truth of the Word of God to you. So what your pastor is doing this morning is he's trying to help ground you or root you in the Word of God so that you can rightly divide the Word uh, and see what is right and what is wrong. When you hear a preacher on TV or when you talk to someone at work tomorrow, you need to know what's true, right? It would be easier to stand up here and preach that if you just love Jesus, your life is gonna be blessed. Like, that'd be fun, right? We all like that. Um, But this is equally important, right? And so I think... um, It's important for us to grab that. Can you appreciate your pastor for just taking the time to do that today? Thank you, Papa. As we uh, close the service in a word of prayer, I'm also thinking about what Peter said. He said that uh, like a child uh, yearns or longs for his mother's milk, so also yearn for the spirit of God. So in this series on the Holy Spirit, I am excited that, and this is just setting the stage, but there is so much to God and the Spirit of God that you may not even understand. There are gifts of the Spirit. There is fruit of the Spirit. There is so much. So I encourage you to open your heart and just to press in and open up your mind just to receive what God has for you in this time. Let's just invite God to do that in us right even now. Lord, I thank you so much that you jealously yearn for the spirit that you have placed inside of us. And also, Lord, we can long for your spirit. God, and I pray that we can have a relationship with the spirit of God, that you can fill us, that you can empower us, that you can give us gifts so that we can be a blessing to this world, to believers and non-believers all around us. God, I pray that we would know you intimately and that we would fall more in love with you every day. Lord, I ask that you would empower us with your spirit to do the work that you have called us to do. Lord, that you would help us to know the truth, Lord, and that that truth would set us free. Lord, that you'd help us to shine a light to those around us, and that you'd go before us in every step that we take by your presence and your power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. We love you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.
1: Thank you for joining us for today's service. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing today. You can give at www.gracechurch.tv slash give or by downloading the app and select give. We can't wait to see you next week.